Hey there, welcome to the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline. I am the founder of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives to see what makes them tick and see how they got where they are today. So sit back, relax. I look forward to sharing their journey with you. All right. Thanks for joining me, guys. I am very excited for today's um, session because, well, as you can see, if you're looking at the live, you can see some of the really cool stuff that we will hopefully get a chance to talk about today, like the rebirth video, which I think is over a million um, views. But beyond that is just so cool. Um, such a really wonderful presentation of, of the tech and how things are getting pushed. Um, I have with me here Victor Lemon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I had to reinforce that. The yeah, chairman of, of, uh, of Quixel. He's a 3D artist, uh, an art lead over at Quixel. And so uh, I'm going to dive in and, and start talking to him about the, the artist path and all that cool stuff. So, Victor, man, thank you so much for being here. Oh, for sure. Th thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, so first, why don't we start with uh, what you're doing now and what you're doing now you've been doing for about, if I saw correctly, about seven years. So what do you do now? Yeah, exactly. So seven years, uh, a week ago or something. So mm -hmm. um, uh, what I do now is, uh, as you said, I'm, I'm the art lead at Quixel and I'm also a product strategist for the for Mixer over at uh, Quixel. So um, I've been, so mainly what I do right now is, or actually been doing for a couple of years now, is creating promotional artwork, mm -hmm. uh, uh, marketing material, and um, pretty much anything that can sort of visually help Quixel spread the word, you know, um, um, get our get our uh, stuff out there. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing, uh, if you if you're looking at the uh, at the live stream here, I've been doing everything from uh, material uh, and texture studies from to uh, full-blown environments um, and uh, I've been doing a couple of you know homages like fan art to Blade Runner Deus Ex all that kind of stuff so it, it, it really um, really anything that I think people will appreciate and that I appreciate um, I um, and that we can use sort of as, as marketing and uh, for Quixel. Um, uh, so that's pretty much what I'm doing now uh, as an artist. And then as a product strategist, I uh, sort of help help bring a an artistic point of view to the um, to the development of the mixer, mm -hmm. uh, which is a texturing tool we develop at Quixel. So um, the yeah, so really what I do is I, 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 I'm trying to explain in a, in an easy way sort of what I do there. But yeah, really, I, I, I talk with the developers and I try and, you know, um, bring my point of view and an artist's point of view uh, into mm -hmm. what we sort of need and, and sort of where the tools and features should be, uh, should be headed. Yeah. And, um, develop these proof of concepts like this desert storm type scene that we're looking mm -hmm. at at the top. Yep. So uh, this is a really interesting path to me, as I was explaining to you earlier, because this is actually what I did at um, ZBrush. Um, right. You know, 
kind of helping to build pipelines and help people understand what the process is. And what I find fascinating about this is you have, especially over the last seven years, you've literally been at the epicenter of the change in environment arts as it's moved from, you know, just some Photoshop maps and tiled textures to scan datas, materials, um, procedural materials, um, and, you know, procedural modeling, you know, and all mm -hmm. that stuff. So what is it that you are focused on today? And ultimately what I want to get to is what you think students need to be focused on today to help them grow. Cause the I'm, students are always kind of on my mind, but what are you focused on today in terms of what Quixel does? Like what is the essential features, the essential kind of tech that's important to you? Well, so really my, so I, I guess it's, I can sort of answer that in two ways. So as an artist, like I'm always trying to, make bigger uh, and better things faster. Um, and that is also what Quixel is trying to do. Um, so it's like, it's, it's really a fantastic job because me as an artist, uh, I really strive to be able to output as much as possible, as quickly as possible. And, you know, with, without, without, uh, you know, crunching. So, and, and, and that is the same thing. Like that is the same thing that Quixel wants to do. You know, we want to, we want to make, you know, remove the crunch and remove all the repetitive work. And, and we want to, want to make the artist's life more enjoyable, really. Mm -hmm. So being, being, being there and helping, helping spread that word and, um, helping be part of the development is, is, is absolutely fantastic because, not only, not only does it help me, and um, it also helps the industry as a whole. Um, so um, that was, I guess, part of the question. What, what was the second part? The um, uh, I always forget myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the basic, the basic questions, like, what is the tech that's important for us to focus on? So you, you mentioned you're you're at Quixel, and you know you're focused on getting work done quickly and at a high quality so that people aren't crunching. Um, but yeah. what I guess what we could do is say, what does that mean? Like, you know, cause this is an area that um, is evolving so fast. I find some students, especially like at some colleges, they'll just be like, Hey, I just figured out Maya and I, and mm -hmm. I do modeling. Right. But we're like 20 years past modeling at this point. So yeah. what is the tech that you're looking at and that you're, you find important for environment artists to focus on. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. I mean, it 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 definitely depends on the um, sort of what you're working on. But like for me, for me as an environment artist, uh, working on mainly you know science fiction or realistic, uh, mm -hmm. more realistic style um, things, I would say, obviously coming from Quixel, I'm I'm gonna say you know scan uh, scanned assets, but. Yeah. Um, regardless, regardless of that, I would say, um, I would say that is an enormous time saver and it really, you know, it's it, like for me, it's really let me focus on the thing that I love doing the most and that I think is the most important. And that is, you know, visual storytelling and, um, you know, actually being an artist because uh, being an artist to me is not about, 
you know, making a nice wireframe or, uh, you know, making crazy stuff in, in a software. It's, 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 there's a, there's a result that matters. Making, making something that tells a story that evokes emotion and that sort of challenges me on a more high level, you know, make the lighting composition, as I said, the story. Um, so that is one thing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Does that so, answer your question? Yeah, we'll get there. Um, yep. and, uh, so scan's important. Scan, scan's a big part of Quixel. Yep. What il, what is scans? What are the other options that are out there? There's, cause there's modeling, there's scanning, mm-hmm. there's procedural materials. Yep. yep. Um, and so when we look at scan data, Quixel has a very interesting, um, concept, I think, of, uh, of the importance of scan because somebody might look at this and say it's photogrammetry in it, but you, what, how do you think about scan data helping environment arts? It, can you give me some examples of, of, um, of some of the more innovative uses of scan data? Cause we're not talking about just, Hey, here's a rock. We're talking about more exactly. than that. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, 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 we're scanning. Well, I'm not scanning, but the guys at Quixel are scanning, you know, every single, um, you know, part of a rock like we have moss and we have you know tiling rock textures and we have 3d rock models we have small mushrooms and twigs and um needles like we have every single part that you would need to actually create your own rock except it contains you know all that fine detail all the uh, you know really uh, high fidelity details that you might not be able to achieve um manually mm-hmm. like there are so many things there are so many things in the world that you don't think about because you you're just so used to seeing it um it's kind of hard kind of hard to explain but i i just feel you you come such a long way if you you know if you use stuff that is in the real world if you want to create recreate the real world mm-hmm. isn't um, it uh isn't it cheating I don't think so at all. Um, Me either. I just the that's a devil's advocate position because that's something that comes up. People are like, I need to model this from scratch, yeah. and then the company will know I'm a true artist. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I I I I, t- I totally see where they're coming from. Absolutely. Um, but I I would not say it's cheating at all. I, I mean, it's it's the same thing as like you know, carpenters don't don't make their own boards and like they they don't grow their own trees. Like you like they. It's, I, I see, I, I absolutely see what they mean. It's the, you know, the like pride in, in the, in the craft and, you know, making every, like having complete ownership of everything from start to finish. But like, is, that's not always necessary. You know, it's like what, what matters is the output. What matters is the worlds we create and how they look. And with this, with this, um, these sort of assets, like we're able to create more beautiful worlds, faster, cheaper, and easier, you know, and, 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 and more, more time to spare in your free time. So, yeah. Now what's, what's the advantage of that? Like if we were to selling that to somebody and they're like, well, I got plenty of time, I'll, I'll model, you know, um, what's the other advantage to being able, um, to grab scans and assemble them. And I'll, pro- I'll preface this by saying like, it, it was a recent conversation, I think with the guys, oh no, this is actually a private 
conversation with um, somebody who's working on uh, on the Avengers game, and you know they basically got if I remember correctly they got rid of their in-house photogrammetry team because they were just like it's so much easier to go to mega scans and and we just grab everything. So what is the advantage of of these tools, these advanced tools that are coming out like scans and processing of scans that you guys do and mixer? So the advantage, uh, I I guess I sort of covered that, I answered that before. I mean, mm-hmm. it's more more beautiful, easier, faster, cheaper. Um, I guess are are the main advantages. Um, but with that said, like obviously, obviously there is like there are still things out there that, or maybe not out there, but things that you can't scan. Um, there are always going to be, play, you know, other worlds. There's going to be fantasy, sci-fi, all that kind of things, and spaceships and, and crazy tanks and stuff like that that you won't be able to scan. So obviously, um, you will still, be, you know, need to have a solid foundation in, in modeling and, and, and manual texturing. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, an, I, an interesting. Part of this that started to interrupt, um, and I want to get to your early. I see this tab, the early three days. I want to get to to your artist journey here in a second, but I, but I find this part very um, fascinating because environment arts to me has had the largest shift. Like ZBrush changed character arts, and you know, it people lost jobs, people got jobs. It changed um, the industry entirely. But after that, the biggest change has been with environment artists, and. It appears to me like environment artists have become significant. Storytelling's become a significantly larger part. Like they've moved mm-hmm. from just all right, I'm background artists to to an active part of the storytelling process. Do you yes. agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. It's uh, something that I've actually noticed in the last, you know, just the last maybe six years, five six years or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's become a really much bigger part, and um, yeah, exactly what you said, uh, which makes me really really happy, um, because yeah, I mean it, it it's just fun to see because like in in the real world like you you can you can you can you can draw so many conclusions of what's happened in a place by just looking at it, mm. and you know, in back back in the day you know it. <laughs> it wasn't like for for many reasons that just wasn't the case like they were they were as you say like they were backdrops just backgrounds mm-hmm. uh, so that's 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 really fun to see uh, rebirth is a good example because it's literally an environment yes but there's a story there is a story yes um that was a fun um fun pro- uh, should i sort of go over yeah. the yeah talk um, to me about this yeah so Rebirth is a short film that we at Quixel uh, made uh, for uh, this GDC actually, uh, where where we uh, sort of revealed it uh, at the uh, at the um, uh, epic stage, and it's a film that takes place in a like a very strange, almost alien-looking, really cold um, place. I can actually play it here for for. Those of you who are in the uh, in the call here, but and what we wanted to do here with this with this short film was to show how like the, the convergence of real time and and uh, cinematics like to prove that it is possible 
to create cinematic um, c cinematic level uh, of quality uh, in in real time because this entire this entire short film short film is was created in Unreal Engine 4 and you know no crazy builds or versions of the engine uh, you know just run up the mill um i don't remember 4.19 or something um and we were three people working on it uh, me uh, Owen O'Brien and Joe Garth as, as artists of course uh, there were more people working um, you know as art uh, art directors and uh, and things like that but as uh, the art department were me Joe and Owen and uh, we used um, assets that we captured on Iceland we actually had a really really big um, trip to Iceland I think we we're I don't know, 15 people or something, and you know we we endured storms and 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 rain and yeah, it was an absolutely crazy and amazing trip. Um, but that's where we where we captured the these sort of alien um, alien shapes that that you see in this in this short film. And uh, what I did for 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 that film was the the hard surface the the architecture, uh, both the exterior and the interior, and I also, um, you know, texture the the car uh, and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yep. All right. Um, so rebirth is about kind of pushing the cinematic barrier. Mm -hmm. um, you as a uh, as a, a product specialist and lead artist, um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, this is if we looked at it from just a business perspective, this was pretty successful, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, uh, I think I think it opened a lot of people's eyes as to what is possible today in real time. Um, because uh, I mean, I I was I was really blown away by the quality we, we could achieve as well. I mean the um, I'm extremely proud and impressed by um, by what we managed to achieve. Um, so yeah, I <laughs> definitely I think it was very successful, and you know I got a lot of views, and uh, you know people have people have come to me saying that it was really inspiring. So that's that's you know that made, that made everything worth it. Mm. There was a line in an interview um, Teddy uh, had recently where. So, I remember this quote, I was just reading it before this, about how um, if everybody was a little bit more open to the changes in technology, then we would be evolving even faster. Mm -hmm. And this kind of brings that to my mind because you guys, like three artists and, of course, some dev, um, mm -hmm. pushed the boundary of, yeah. of, of this tech to the point where even large companies like Epic were like, oh, wow, <laughs> you know, the guys who actually make this. So what are we missing? You know, what what else can be done from your perspective? Because, you know, this tells to me that, um, you know, we're not operating in our full capacity. There is more that can be done out there. Do you, mm. does, do you agree or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's lack of talent or lack of will or lack right. of ambition at all. I, I think it's um, I think. For obvious reasons, you know, monetary reasons, for you know, pipelines and and all that kind of stuff. I, I think it's I think many many pipelines and many workflows are just changing a bit slowly. Um, 
you know, for, for, for reasons that I don't have to go into, but I, I think that is the main reason. I don't think it's, it's lack of ambition on, you know, art, the artist side or, or the producer right. side. I think it's just a matter of, you know, uh, business decisions in many cases. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's like that, 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 that changes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's because of that. I definitely think most, most artists out there are interested in, you know, upgrading or improving and changing their workflow to, to, to produce uh, better and, and, and more art for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if we, if we look at your bathroom scene, cause I was looking at that, I think I was looking at your tutorial actually. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you did, you did a tutorial on this. Yes. I see the cracks. Yes, I did. I did a okay. tutorial and live stream. Uh, and so this was like the tutorial was pushed together to about an hour. Right? Oh no. Was it 12 minutes? Yeah, this one is 12 minutes and the, so and the break on the live stream was, was about an hour. Oh, okay. That must be what I watched. Yeah. Um, so if we're looking at this, um, I think this is, there's, I don't know exactly how to state this, but I'm, I'm talking to environment artists here and, and there is, there is something I think we are missing. I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly, but there's something environment artists are missing because you assemble this beautiful scene, which appears relatively quickly. Yeah. Am, I, yeah. am I wrong? No, no, no. Uh, this was done really, really quickly, uh, and 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 it's actually two environments that I made. Um, so what are we so missing? Both, both the clean one and the and the dirty one. Okay, because I think there's a mindset thing that we're missing. Some, we're missing something that will cause some of my environment artists to spend weeks developing an environment like this when mm. you put it together in an hour. So we're missing something. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's, um, I have a library of materials and assets, you yeah. know, just at my disposal. Um, so like not, it, it's just like I said before, like I, I could spend those hours or days, um, just assembling and creating and building this world instead of having to, you know, Look at reference and like, okay, how, how does leak, how does leakage look from, from a, a urinal? And how, how does, like, right. how does tiles break down? Like, I have that. But now, now it's just a matter of putting it to use. Like, I, um, yeah. So that is, I'm like, I, I would not say I'm just kit bashing at all, but it's just, a, it's a matter of, you know, finding the material that I want to use and, you know, focusing on lighting, composition, colors like the like you really have to just focus on the fundamentals of art uh more than more than like how how do i put this um yeah i yeah i i i don't, I don't know how to put it but i hope i hope my point comes across regardless if i was to rephrase i'd say um you have a library that mm-hmm. helps so People who are beginning generally don't have that library or maybe they've got kind of constrained resources. So they're not just, you know, buying everything at um, Megascans. Um, And then the other thing is uh, you are not focused on the particulars of how does um, how does stuff how, how does water drip out of a toilet? Like what kind of staining would that be? You're focused more on just the overall putting stuff together and assembling, not kit bashing, but assembling your image um, and focusing there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And um, I mean, it, and that, that is what I really love about 
like this kind of workflow is I'm really, you know, it really lets me focus and sort of come back and lean on the fundamentals that I've been learning for, for these years. Yeah. It, you know, um, uh, <laughs> now, now, now the sort of language barrier comes, uh, but you know, yeah, complementary colors and lighting, temp, color temperature, um, you know, um, balance in the in the in the um, you know weight of the elements in the picture and stuff like that that is what i absolutely love doing and it you know um and obviously i love creating assets as well but you know th there are a couple of assets that i that i created for this scene as well like i made the i mean i we don't, we don't have any any scanned journals yet so mm -hmm. i had to make those and i had to make the um, you know sink and the trash uh, trash can Things like that, but like they're all textured using mega scans. Like I'm using a brass material, I'm using a porcelain material for that, which is saving me time. So um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm <laughs> it was just an absolute blast working on this because it was just like it was almost entirely composition and lighting and storytelling, especially in the in the dirty version. So, and yeah. So this is kind of one of the things that I was thinking is that um, one of the biggest elements I think beginning environment artists are missing is the assembly process. Mm -hmm. They're focused on the asset creation, which, you know, I get it makes sense. But yeah. it's the assembly of assets. Like, for example, mm -hmm. as we go from where this image is right now, now you're actually going to start assembling cracks and, you know, mm -hmm. Decals. I think decals is like right now. I think you're moving a gradient on the ground. Yeah. So, is it fair to say like if there's one thing that let's assume an environment artist has you know they're modeling down, um, what would be one thing that they need to really just focus their attention on on mastering? I would say one area where I see a lot of a lot of scenes getting a disservice from is, is, is a lack of understanding of lighting. Um, like lighting is an absolute key to every, like you can have a, you can have the most beautiful assets. You can have a wonderful composition, but if the lighting isn't, isn't on par, like it, it it's just gonna, it's just gonna undermine the whole picture. Mm -hmm. So I would say like that is the key thing to work on. You like, know, I have a, there are a lot of artists out there. Uh, you know, in, in, uh, like, let's say, Arcvis, that, that can make a extremely simplistic environment. You know, just boxes, maybe a 45 degree angle concrete wall, and just have a clear blue sky. Like, they can make that look absolutely gorgeous. Um, whereas I, I can see, you know, really, really finely crafted sci fi environments with beautiful um, assets that sort of yeah, it doesn't look very good. Um, but so, so, so like that, that just goes to show how important lighting is because you can take something simple and make it look absolutely stunning. Um, and that's something that I really respect because that, like, I'm, I'm still, you know, learning lighting. Like, lighting is what I'm struggling with, with the most, I would say. Got it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, can you, is that a, a, a movie running? Yes, it is. Can you back it up like 30 seconds? I think mm -hmm. that was um, 
Oh, nice. We pause right there at the... Um... You mean this one? Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mixer? Yep. Tell me about Mixer. Yes. So Mixer is a texturing tool that allows you to... So I'm, I'm going through the ele elevator pitch here, but I'm, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll do it more, more, more casually. So uh, Mixer is a tool uh, that we develop at Quixel that yeah. allows you to create your own materials, either okay. you know from scratch procedurally or using your own materials that you created, either hand painted or or scanned yourself, mm -hmm. or it can be um, obviously from from the Megasense library. And what it does is um, it allows you to blend between materials okay. uh, using you know very simple controls, you know height blending. Uh, you know, you can high blend rocks with mud or moss with rock and so on. And it also um, allows you to, to, to work procedurally. So you can, uh, like I have, I can um, go into, let's do this one, like this procedural desert, uh, desert rocks here. Mm -hmm. and this one is, uh, you know, 90% procedural. Like I made the rocks procedurally and the sand procedurally. But then I have like the, all the fine details um, are added um, from from a scan material. So it allows you to, um, put, long story short, either make new materials from scratch or enhance or edit and, and sort of augment uh, existing materials, either with other materials or procedurally. Okay. Um, so yeah, that that is pretty much what what Mixer is, and you know we're we're working extremely hard on making it sort of the you know go to tool, um, you know for all your texturing needs. Okay. And we and we're we're you know we're we're uh, we're bringing over functionality from uh, uh, the suite. Uh, I don't know if you if you know about that tool. The suite and do do the or... Yeah, yeah, exactly. D do yep. and do redo. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're bringing over a lot of functionality from there, um, and uh, yeah, I'm extremely excited about it. Um, and uh, but we're yeah, it's it's a sort of an NDA territory. So I can't I can't talk too much about that, but it's um, you know you'll you'll learn more about that very soon. So um, yeah, that is that is Mixer in a nutshell, and that is where I spend a lot of my time um, because it's. You know, like 50% of my materials, I just grab straight out of the library for my environments. The other 50%, I edit, like, you know, it can be small edits. Like, it can be making a stone tile floor a bit more, you know, worn down. Uh, or it can be, you know, transforming tra transforming it completely, you know, making it completely destroyed and stuff like that. So, and, and it's... Like the, the the thing that I that I like the most about it is the fact that it's so incredibly easy to pick up. Like I I'm at conventions where you know where we and we have booths. It's it's just like it's such a it's a really good place to sort of gauge how how easy it is to pick up because like you you can see people come up there you know grabbing the mouse and pulling sliders and you know stuff happens like they it's just you know the 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 old saying uh, was a, um, five minutes to learn a lifetime to master. Like the, it's extremely easy to pick up, but like the, the possibilities are really endless. And that is that is somewhere that is what we put a lot of effort into. You know, taking out, you know, chiseling out or sanding down all the rough corners and making, 
you know, every single slider fun and understandable, pretty much. Awesome. All right. I, now I'd love, how'd you get into this? Because, you know, it's a fascinating career. If I, if I go back and I look like there was a period of time, you spent five years in school, you know, just yep. a, a lot of school, I, you know, and it, I think it's fascinating um, for, because like when I went to school, you know, people are like, oh, you're going to be an artist. Like, oh, you know, you, you're on the long road to poverty, basically. <laughs> um, so, you know, they don't realize that, you know, being an artist, you're super dedicated to craft. You you went to school five years. You went to three different schools. Yeah, uh, two different schools. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So I I started in. All right. So should I give you the, like the, the the whole story about, you know, how I got into this? Yeah, because I mean, what I have here is you were in school around 2011. Last school was the game assembly. And then you got you were a junior 3D artist for a year and then chief marketing artist and then the lead artist and product product artist. So yeah, I'd love to like uh, hear. And what's particularly interesting to me is, is that first part of that transition of like, you know, you got out of school. How did you get, how'd you land this? Like, how'd you even think about this? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've, I, I guess most people sort of say this, but you know, I, I was, I've always been, you know, really creative. Like I'm, um, for, it's kind of embarrassing, but I mean, it's, it's online, so I might as well show you. So, I mean, I've always, pretty much since, since I got my first computer, I've been doing photo manipulations, you know, scanning my drawings and painting and making, you know, album, album covers for my, for my punk band, all that kind of stuff. So I've always been fascinated with digital art and, um, I've always been an avid gamer. So, you know, when I, when I found that flyer in the, you know, career consultant's office at, at, at school, you know, it, it was, it was, I mean, I, I got so excited. Like it's, it pretty much said, you want to make games? I'll fly here. Uh, you know, I, I was pretty blown away because games were something that pretty much just magically popped out of, you know, Japan somehow. I, I, I had absolutely no idea how they were made. Um, <laughs> Absolutely no idea. I'm not not even kidding. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I started studying at that school. A uh, yeah, I, I applied and I got in um, first attempt um, using this <laughs> this artwork that I'm showing on the screen. It's a for those of you who can't see the screen, it's a photo bash Frankenstein thing of a ninja frog with crab legs or something. Mm -hmm. I used that and I, and I, I got into school. Um, I, I, I guess they judged on creativity less than, uh, more than the actual ability to make <laughs> 3D. So yeah, I, I started studying there. Uh, it was a school in a small town and I, you know, I immediately fell in love with the craft. I, um, I'm really thankful that I picked it up really quickly, um, which is hope, which is most likely why I really went at it. You know, I, I noticed that I had a knack for it, which re was really like gratifying. So I, I, I put in the hours, like I, <laughs> I actually had, you know, Nomon DVDs playing as audiobooks in my headphones when I was sleeping. You know, I was, I was living, <laughs> breathing, eating, drinking, you know, 3D and CG and, and, and all that stuff. So I was absolutely absorbed. 
um my my name is say i was too absorbed like those those two years are just you know a blur of tutorials and you know sleepless nights in the in the uh, classroom so yeah two years um most most likely more more than like three years in real time uh, how, how old were you at this point uh, i'm sorry how old were you at this point I was, um, it was 2007, so that's 12, 20. I was 20 or 21. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I was still young back then. So <laughs> the, and, and once I was done, um, at that school, uh, which concluded with a, uh, internship, which I actually did remotely for a, a small movie production. Um, now I, I can't remember what the company was called actually, but we, uh, but but the short film that we worked on was called As Azure's Rising. Um, I don't know if you can link that somewhere, but it's uh, yeah, it was a short film about like the cyber ninja. Uh, it was a ton of fun. I learned a lot, um, but uh, I wanted to work. I, like I I I felt that I wanted to work in games rather than movies, so I started looking for a job. Um, which was getting pretty desperate because I, I was actually, um, I, my, my son had actually been born just around that time. I think it was, yeah, 22 then. So, you know, I was out of a job, just out of, um, just, just done with the internship and, you know, I had to get a job desperately. So I, I got a job in the games industry in the town where I lived, uh, pretty much the same day that I, that I started, you know, uh, properly looking. So I was really excited about that. I was extremely lucky, I would say. And, uh, that was, uh, for a company that worked on a, a pretty small, uh, MMORPG called Mortal Online. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you heard about that. Mm -mm. No, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty niche, you know, if, you know, free for all PVP open world. It's, uh, it's pretty hardcore, but it was, a it was a learning experience. There were a lot of long hours, I have to say. Um, so, yeah, I after after about a year there, I um, decided that. So okay, so yeah, I, I started looking for another job, but I just couldn't find any uh, another job. So I I said, hey, you know, I I want to go back to school. Like I re I want to brush up on the basics. I want to get even better. I want to have a better foundation. Um, since the, the, the first education was just one and a half years. So I felt, you know, there, there were more areas that I could, that I could, um, improve on. So I went back to school for, and, and I had a blast. Uh, that was the game assembly in Malmö. And that school is actually still around. And, uh, I mean, I, I can't recommend it enough. The teachers are absolutely amazing. One of the teachers, actually one of the teachers that were at, um, uh, my first school. So if, if you're, you know, if you're in Sweden, you should check that school out. Sorry for me, for me plugging another school at your <laughs> Absolutely. No worries. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the, yeah, I went back to school there and actually after, after the first year, I went one year, a little bit more, I actually, um, got a job at Massive. So I did not finish the sort of second education. But I started working at, at Massive Entertainment, um, a Ubisoft studio in Malmö, uh, where I worked on the multiplayer part of Far Cry 3. Mm -hmm. And that was 
I mean, that was that was a huge thing for me. I, I, I loved the Far Cry games and, you know, not having to move all across the world to work at a AAA game studio. Was I mean it, it was it was pretty much just across the street from where I lived. So I was extremely excited and it was a ton of fun. I learned a learned a whole bunch of stuff, and I met a whole bunch of good friends. You know, I, I think I was there for one and a half or two years or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, it, it it was a blast. But while working there, I learned about this tool called Endu Endu One, and it was pretty much you know just um, Photoshop actions that let you convert grayscale uh, data to normal maps in Photoshop. In Photoshop. Mm-hmm. So I, I started using that and I made a, you know, a couple of environments and I, 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 I detailed some assets and I you know, was really blown away by it because making normal maps was not very intuitive back then. Like you had to use, I guess, Crazy Bump or the NVIDIA Photoshop filter. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Endu was, you know, next gen back then. And right about that time when I learned about that tool, Endu 2, the sequel, was released. And I was excited. Like it had an actual UI. You could edit, you could preview the changes in, you know, in real time in Photoshop. Like that was mind blowing back then. So uh, I used that and I made an environment. Let me scroll up this embarrassing list of old work so I can find it. <laughs> um, where is it? My art station. I guess it is. It was a Deus Ex corridor. And I actually don't think I have it here. That is weird. But yeah, I made a Deus Ex corridor. Um, there it is. False alarm. So um, I made that using Endo 2, uh, sent it over to Teddy, and the CEO of, of Quixel. And I was like, hey, you know, love your tool. It's absolutely mind-blowing. It's revolutionizing my workflow. Um, and I, you know, I, I thanked him uh, for, for all the work he put into it. And um, he, he liked what I'd done. So, you know, we started talking more and more and more. And I did some more art using, using Endo. Um, like, um, I help, you know, to help, to help spread the word, um, like this one as well, this, uh, Solaris hallway fan art. Um, and, you know, we, we talked more and more. And I guess uh, about a year later, uh, he actually gave me an offer to, to join the Quixel team, which was very small back then. I think it was just, yeah, uh, the, <laughs> the, the owners. And I was, yeah, I, I was first employee. In, uh, Your first employee. Yeah, I was the first employee. Sweet, that's awesome. Yeah, it was just the, the owners and me. So, um, uh, uh, yes, yeah, so that was in 2012. And you and, were still relatively new in the industry too. Yes, I was. Uh, I had I'd been working in the industry for about three years, I think, um, and it was five years since I, you know, after I started studying, and. Like, you know, joining a, an extremely small startup company when working at a triple A international, you know, Ubisoft, like that, 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 that was a, that was a really scary step. But, um, you know, the whole, like what really had me go, you know, make, make the jump was the whole idea of, you know, killing crunch and killing repetitive 
boring work and just making artists' lives easier, as I said before. Um, that, because that, that was something like at that moment in my, in, in my career, I was really annoyed. Uh, you know, I was new in the industry and I, as I said, I've only working there for a few years, but I noticed how much repetitive work, how much crunch and how much, you know, needless repetitive work there was. So like having, having that, those words spoken to me, you know, from Teddy, like really, Maybe go like, yeah, I, I want to be part of this. Mm-hmm. I want to help. I want to. I want to help. You know, <laughs> artists out of boring work, pretty much. Uh, but it, I mean, it, it was ob- ob- obviously a risk. You know, small company versus a, a multinational uh, company. But I'm I'm really happy I I I made the jump. Uh, looking back. Yeah, and you guys. I mean, it wasn't all roses. Even though you guys were innovating and whatnot, you probably had some difficult times too mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you know um up, up until <laughs> uh, up, up until pretty recently i mean i i i did i had like my i did my toes pretty much everything every single department like i, I started out as chief marketing officer at quixel mm-hmm. uh, which only lasted for a little while like we um we we noticed pretty quickly that my 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 strengths were more in art than it was marketing. So I started making market marketing material instead of actually marketing. Um, so that's sort of how I was put on this path of making promotional artwork. And um, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously like all, all companies, like it's not just roses for, for, for anyone. It's uh Know, ups and downs and it's uh, you know blood sweat and tears as cliche as it might might, might sound um i've bled and i've cried <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um um yeah so um so what uh what do you love about this industry that makes you put so much into it like i <laughs> 99.9% of the people working in the industry are absolutely fantastic people. Like, you know, going to GDC is it's like going to Disneyland. You know, you meet, you meet so many wonderful people and it's, it, it is a fantastic industry, not only because of the people, you know, in the industry, but also like what they create and what that, what, what that means to the world. You know, like so, sometimes I I go like why 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 do I do what I do like why am I not a doctor or like a fireman or firefighter like what I I, I make pixels on a screen mm-hmm. you know and like entertainment is so incredibly important like in 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 times when in times when like when everything is good people you know want environment because it just makes them happier when times are bad. They need environment. They, they need uh, entertainment. I'm not sure if I said it. Yeah. They need yeah. entertainment to, to, to make them feel happy. So it's, it's something that you always need and it's something that's always there and it's something that, you know, always makes you, almost always makes you feel, feel, feel happy and better about yourself and, and, and the world. So, um, it's, it's like entertainment overall is just something that's been in my, like in, you know, everyone's life. Um, uh, but it's, it's something that's been very important to me. Uh, you know, games, music, movies, uh, art, photography, like, yeah, it's, um, and I, and I think g- the games industry, um, especially since like that's, that's where I come from, um, is 
like the not only games but also movies like it's it's really pushing you know pushing so many so many things forward in a really rapid way like it's you know it's 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 not just pushing like you know the like autodesk to make to make more to make newer and better versions of maya but it's it's also right. sort of you know it's it's ai like ai is something that 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 is sort of getting pushed both by and for art like making art faster and more beautiful like it's 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 you know you see so much crazy stuff going on but just because you know the the, the industry industries are just pushing forward at such an insane rate and it's so much fun and like being at the for like being at the you know frontier of that is is it's just really humbling and 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 and, and awesome it's um yeah and you have a family mm-hmm how old you I have you? a son and a daughter, uh, a girlfriend, a cat, and a dog. And I live in a house in the sticks of southern Sweden. How old's your son? You, I think you said you had him at 22? Uh, yes, exactly. So he's uh, he's 10. He just turned 10. That... Uh... Changes perspective a bit, yeah. Because you were saying like, yep. why aren't I a doctor, right? <laughs> Which I can mm-hmm. relate to, you know. It's like because we spent so much time studying. Like I remember I, I did some research and I was looking at this and I was like, Peter Paul. I went way back, and I'm like mm-hmm. Peter Paul Rubin studied for 11 years. You know, like as artists, we study, we practice our craft. Doctors, they go to school 11 years and yeah, they practice their craft and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, it's a very stable life. Yeah. Lots, lots more. So. You know, you had a, a love for this that kind of kept you in, and and you had to support a family. Yep. So, yeah, I, I made it. I mean, I and I, I would even I would even go as far as to say it's like it's it's part of the reason why I made it. it like it, it's something that really motivated me to mm. really excel, like to try my hardest to excel at this. Uh, so that I can, you know, obviously, you know, provide and and you know make make my my uh, my kids proud um it's like it's it's something that's always over in, in in the back of my head like i i wonder you know wonder what what my son will think when he sees this like i you know i i i, I just want to sort of impress him so it's uh, i guess i guess it's 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 been more of a nice but i want to ground it a bit better value so i find a good spot that i like i'll continue tweaking uh, what's that? No, we got uh, someone else talking. Oh, okay. There we go. I thought that was actually your mic. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Somebody else. Anyways, I've muted everybody else. All right. Right. So, um, all right. So it, that motivates you. That keeps you kind of um, moving. And I think the where I was going with this and the part that's kind of interesting to me is they're, having family and having those responsibilities that aren't yours can lead us to make other choices like something that's more stable, something mm-hmm. that's more secure. But you persevered, you held to your craft, and you built a life that your son would be proud of but at the same time didn't lose your soul just to provide. And I think that that merits us taking a second because that's a dilemma many people are when they come into this industry. They're looking at this and they're like, 
you know, am I going to be able to, or should I just go and take that sales job? Mm. Yeah. What advice do you have for somebody who's in that position where they they've got pressure, they need to provide, you know, mm. but they know that they have this in them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, conflict. yeah, I mean, th that is a tricky one. Like it's, uh, that is a tricky, very tricky question because obviously you can't, like, you should not end up on the street just because you're, you know, <laughs> like you, you, you want to work on games yeah. and you can find a job. Like obviously, like at one point, like if things are getting desperate, obviously you need to swallow your pride and, you know, take that, uh, you know, job that you don't really want. Uh, but I mean, it's, Oh, that's such a tricky question. Like it's <laughs> obviously you have, you know, you have responsibilities and you, you need to make sure you can provide both for yourself and your family. And uh, there's always a little bit of luck that plays into, you know, the outcome. Mm -hmm. But I would say in most cases, hard work pays off. Um, so, you know, you know, stick to the guns and you know, network, like talk to people, like you need to, like connections and networking is so incredibly important. So like if you're in a position where like where you can't get a job, you know, you've, you've used every single job application form out there and, you know, you're not getting any replies or you're not getting um, the replies that you want, like, you know, network, talk to people. You know, um, I would say is one way that could really help you land a position because the, as I said, like when I was in a pretty desperate position, um, uh, spot when I, you know, when my son was just born and I, and I was unemployed, I, I did not get my job from like a job application. I actually got that from, um, a sort of, okay. So the connection was that he was the founder of the school that I first went to that someone knew. And I got in touch with him due to one of his old students, pretty much. But it was still, you know, a connection, networking. So, uh, and, and that worked for me. So, um, I guess long story short, like don't, don't underestimate your connections and, and networking and going to conventions and meeting other artists. Yeah. And uh, I like what you said about, um, don't underestimate hard work either. Um, mm -hmm. So if you were to start over today, because the tech is different today than it was um, when you started and when I started, um, yeah. if you were to start over today, uh, what would you focus on? Um, assu you know, assuming you had the pressures you had back then, which is, you know, you do, you have to provide, you mm -hmm. know, to some level or another. Um, what would you focus on today? I mean, like, to, yeah, it's, I really envy, like, okay, so in, in two ways, like, I, I both, yeah. I both envy, um, the people coming into the industry today, and I also sort of wish they sort of had more of what, what we had. Like, we, you know, us old folks in the industry, like, we, we really had to learn, you know, the hard, the hard way. Like, we had, we have, I would say, you know, a very good understanding of the fundamentals, like, like what, you know, normal maps and like all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, it's, 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 it's a little bit like, you know, the kids today with their phones, you know, and, and their computers, like it's, it's just something that's, you know, 
readily available, it's easy to learn, easy to use, and it's designed for ease of access. You know, it's um, um, sort of yeah. It's I, I guess that that that's that's one good thing of like learn, learning the hard way back in the day. But so if I if I could go back today, I would you know focus more on like I would look around more like look at the different solutions and different pipelines available because I was I was pretty shoehorned into the you know set in stone kind of pipeline um, for for that day you know um, using Maya make a high make a low make a high poly uh, quads only and then you know that 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 whole that whole pipeline and it was very yeah i mean it it was it was it was a solid pipeline but it was it was slow and it was boring so if i could go back i would i would look like if i could go back with the current you know tools that are available now back then i would look at you know learning as many tools and possible pipelines as possible something that could just make help me make my art faster and better because like looking back at my portfolio, like it's it's almost you know like I'm face palming when I look at some some of my older stuff. Like I I can remember you know working you know for a week or two on something that would take me you know a work day today. Like obviously it goes faster because I because I, I have more experience today, but also because you know better tools. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Now, um, there's one thing I want to look at at the Counter-Strike, if you don't mind. Oh, sorry, sorry. And I'll also yeah. learn drawing. <laughs> okay. Because I, it's something that I always wanted to be good at, uh, yeah. that I didn't focus enough on. But yeah, learn drawing because it's so useful. Okay. Yeah. Now, if we look at the Counter-Strike, I think this, the, this is another um, in, important kind of piece for us to look at and understand. Um, what environment artists have to do today and then um and then folks if you guys have questions now's the time to get those uh, typed up over there and if you have work that you want reviewed um, please post the links asap um so why don't we start with alberto alberto saying how do you move from assets to assembling a scene which is kind of where i'm going at here because this is this is this is beautiful you know this Counter-Strike scene that you've you've done here, and, and it's comp it's huge. It is. <laughs> it is very huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine if one of my students pulls this together, you know, and and you know, it has, you know, let's say even twenty five percent of the quality level in this, it's still a massive achievement. You know, it's a, it's a lot to to do. Um. So if we go to Alberto's. It's how do you move from assets to assembling a scene? Right. So, really, the so I I made both a tutorial and a breakdown on this. Like, mm -hmm. if you want a little, a little bit more like in-depth um, information on how I made this, but really, what I did was I I created a blockout, you know, extremely basic blockout using mm -hmm. uh, using a um, <laughs> photogrammetry from in-game. Actually, I went around, you know. Like print screen, print screen, print screen. Like I think you know, two thousand pictures. So and I and I got this model from the in-game like scans. Yeah, I, I know I, I could use like Hammer Viewer or whatever it's called, but yeah, this was fun. 
So I made a blockout model and I put it in engine. I got the lighting, you know, somewhat uh, okay. And then using that blockout, I started, you know, loading in materials and trying them out. And I started lo um, loading in uh, models like the the uh, planks and the beams, stuff like that, and you know, wood pallets, things like that. So, um, like answering the question, how, how do I go from assets to assembling a scene? I would say it was a very iterative process. Like it wasn't like I, I had this set list, like, okay, so these are the assets and I'm going to make the scene using these. It was more <laughs> a bit back and forth. Like I made a lot of stuff by hand, like all the buildings and everything are handcrafted, like they're um, hand modeled. Mm -hmm. And then I made them look better and good um, with the assets, like the materials and the decals and the you know 3D assets and the plants and all that. So it's it's kind of hard to give a give a give a good answer to that. It's just like my entire workflow is very iterative. You know, it's like I focus on one area and then I go back, focus on another area. Then I realize the other area didn't look as good, so I go back to that. So it's it's I don't really go from point A to point B. I go like to point A to D to B to A to C. You know, it's a lot of back and forth and wiggle waggle. Awesome. Uh, Alberto, does that help? Get you a sense of things? <laughs> I don't Alberto, think it does. <laughs> Alberto, he's saying, you know, he has a huge focus. Like, he's just having a hard time getting the um, the focus in. But I, if if I could paraphrase, I'd say the, the key thing is, uh, the key word I heard was iteration, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's very rare in my workflow that I, you know, just right off the bat start modeling something and I spend you know days or weeks on it. Like it's very very rare. It's like I I start really rough and I refine piece by piece mm -hmm. and like sometimes I spend a little bit more time on that little piece. You know, for example, in this scene, like I. I I started applying materials and the lighting and getting some basic atmospherics in. And I started applying the, the materials on this centerpiece here in the image. Um, you know, with a, with a blue door here. And, and that started looking good. So that sort of, sort of piqued my interest and made me focus a bit more on that and started adding some decals. And that sort of became a baseline. Like I, I got really happy with the way that turned out. So that became like a baseline for how the rest should look. And then I jumped into the building to the left here, sort of getting that up to that quality level. And, you know, I started jumping around and I got everything up to one level. And I was like, yeah, this looks good. And then I went, it doesn't look good enough though. So I started, you know, improving piece by piece by piece by piece. And I said, you know, I jumped around like an idiot, like on every single part. Like I'm sure there are more optimized workflows to do this. It's just a way that I, it's something that, that, that helps me keep my focus. Like to always have it sort of look, you know, have something look good that's, that I can focus on um, instead of, you know, working on, working on this model for ages that it's just like it's a gray, mo gray model and like, okay, then we have to make it low poly and bake it and put it in the engine. Oh, wait, no, I have to texture it first <laughs> and then put it in the engine. You know, it's like it, it, it's, it's kind of fun to just, just jump right into it and like have it have it interactable and have it sort of looking good from the start um that 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 helps me keep focus and keep um you know keep, helps keep my attention got it perfect all right man thank you for that alberto um 
Uh, well, Alberto's asking one more that I think might be relevant. Do you block out in-engine or 3D modeling? Uh, both, actually. So, um, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, what I what I did for this one is I, I actually made the entire thing in Maya. Like I just like the entire level I made in Maya, mm -hmm. exported it into the engine, and I used that uh, rough model to just get the lighting lighting in. Okay. And once that was done and the, and the scale and everything felt okay, I you know started separating the all the parts into into uh, the, yeah the respective parts. Okay. Uh, so like each building was its own building, and then I used those parts you know from the block block out to uh, start refining and actually creating the the uh, proper models. Um, so but but I also used you know, uh, BSPs from the engine, like, uh, to, like, for the wall, for, I think, I think the wall I, I blocked out using, using BSPs in the engine and, like, the crates and barrels and stuff like that. Cool. All right, I got two questions, and then we, uh, Shen Jarvis has some uh, work that she'd love your mm -hmm. eyes on. Um, mm -hmm. The first question, you mentioned AI um, before, and there's some really cool and scary tools like you know there's a guy control shift face doing some really crazy stuff yes. with faces and audio like joe rogan's voice completely done from a script um mm -hmm. and uh, so there's some crazy stuff there and then there's the promethean ai um, yeah. which is the assembly and it's all word based you know it's like clean it up like make it a little more messy 80s room and it'll 80s um kids room and it'll put star trek or star wars posters in there right yeah um what do you think uh the impact of this is going to be for environment artists and where i'm going with this i mean I, i'm not uh, i'm not a fear monger i mean it's it but it's interesting to be looking at this now and going like well in all honesty we got no idea what most jobs are going to be like in five years, but like an environment artist, what's our job going to be like? How do you see this stuff impacting us? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you said fear, fear mongering. Like I personally, I'm not scared at all as an artist. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's like AI is, is, you know, starting to seep into every, like every aspect of our, of our lives. Like it's like slowly, but surely it's coming in there. And I think, I think it's for, for the, like obviously you know obviously you think about skynet uh you know terminator and stuff like that but it's i i am trying to stay optimistic and i try to see it as something that can really help us mm -hmm. uh, i don't think it's obviously it's going to take some jobs in all industries all across the world but it's also going to create new jobs just like pretty much you know you know, robots, right? You need still need people to, to develop the robots and to maintain the robots and to, you know, and it, 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 sort, of, it sort of, you know, gives people new jobs. Um, mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the car industry, for example, but I, I don't think, I don't think AI is going to steal jobs, you know, from the, from the uh, environment art um, world at all. I think it's more going to, to become a tool in the tool belt. I guess I think it's going to empower the artists in a in a big way. Um, how that uh, th that's going to look, I don't know. 
I don't think anyone really knows, but I, I mean, like looking at the developments that's going on, I think it's, it's pretty inevitable that it's going to, 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 uh, become a, um, something that, that's going to help artists. Because it's conceivable, like when you look at procedural um, materials, for example, mm -hmm. it's conceivable that's all AI. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, and 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 the thing is, like AI is like exponential. You know, the mm -hmm. it's just going faster and faster and faster and becoming better and better and better. So it's um, I mean, it's I and I don't know enough. Like I I can't I can't make a you know educated like. Guess about what I was gonna look. I, I just know I'm really excited about it, yeah. Uh, and that I am not scared. Um, yeah, I'm not scared about it. I'm, I'm just excited. Awesome. All right, last yeah. question um, before we look at some work. How much do you attribute your career to luck, and how much to hard work? Oh, I would say, like percentage-wise, I would say like. 20% luck and 80% hard work. Like it's, well, I, I, I don't know, like hard work. Like I'm, I'm trying to work smart more than hard, mm -hmm. but still, you know, it's, you know, at times in my life, I, I, I've been working for a 16 hours. Like at, once I'm done at work, I'm working on my personal art and, you know, personal projects, like be it art or be it, you know, writing or whatever. It's, it's just like, I, I, I work really, really hard. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to work smart, but obviously all that hard work would be for not if it wasn't for some luck. And like, for example, luck in, you know, connecting with, you know, the, the, the founder of my old school to get my first job in industry. Right. And luck that, um, like I, I got in touch with, with Teddy to get my job at Quixel. Like mm -hmm. it's, I would say like that, that is luck. Uh, it's a mixture of luck and obviously hard work. Um, but it's, I, I don't think you can you know, just sit back and go like, Hey, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll let luck handle this, handle this for me because the, I've, I've, I've come to realize like that the harder I work, the luckier I am. And mm -hmm. I think there's correlation. Totally makes sense, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, guys, get questions out if you got them. But, uh, Victor, man, thank you for taking the time and answering those questions. Of course. And uh, if you don't mind, uh, Shin has put in the chat, she's put a link to her art station and her main site. And she went through the boot camp, oh, a year or so ago. Um, Shin, do you want to tell them what you're doing these days? Do you see the – yeah, you got it. Okay, great. Yep, there we go. she got a really cool job right now. It's actually <laughs> – um, I'm very fascinated at the how – where this is all going. How's she's in the uh, AR uh, team over there at uh, How's. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, really cool stuff here. So, is, so is there something in particular that you would like me to to feedback on, or is it just uh, looking through the? No, let's get something specific. I'm a big fan on specific. So, uh, Shen, do you, you want the last piece? Does that work for you? Great. Mm -hmm. All right. And so one of the things that we do in the boot camp, and one of the things that's really important to me is, um, and I think you feel the same. It's like, it's it, mastery is unending. Like if you develop any skill in something, you realize that there's no end 
to 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 that road. Yeah. So what I like to do with the um, students is I like to be clear on what are the triggers that help somebody get a job and what are the triggers that uh, hurt them getting a job. And so that's what we really focus on. So if you were to look at this, mm -hmm. um, the the key thing for me would be is like we see this what tells me she's a job candidate and what tells me she's not a job candidate. And that's all we really focus on fixing, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yep. So, um, uh, I was looking here. So, um, I might have missed your part of your question because I was absorbed by the art. Um, yeah. So, if... <laughs> I'm sorry, could you repeat the um Yeah, not worry. No, it's real simple. So um we work on triggers. So the, yes. the questions uh I ask myself when I'm looking at their work is what tells me they're a job candidate and what tells me they're not a job candidate. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes total sense. So okay. it would be taste and the eye. Um those two things are the hardest things to train in my opinion and experience. Mm -hmm. And it's also those two things that will help you become a good artist down the road, regardless of your, uh, of your technical or artistic, um, you know, uh, skills. But if you have that, like the, 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 an eye for art and, you know, a good taste and taste is a very abstract thing. And it's very hard to put a put a finger on. Mm -hmm. exactly what it is but it's like it's it's something that you can instantly tell like this person has taste or um, you know it's it's um, I, I i hope i can tell <laughs> i think i can tell um but it's yeah it's that is the first thing that i look at when i you know when someone uh, sends in a job job application like I, it takes me you know a couple seconds and i can tell yeah this person has a good eye and and or good taste um you know lacking like in some skills or not like in some skills, but like that is the first thing I see. Okay. Um, so yeah, Th uh, does that, that answer your question? Yeah. So what about her work tells you? I would say she's uh, good to go or not. Yeah, she definitely has taste. Uh, that was the first thing I, I noticed. Like the, you know, overall, like just the first glance at her, looking at her portfolio, you know, good colors, nice, you know, clear shapes you know there is this balance and everything so yeah this would looking at this as a recruiter i would um i would i would get a a um a good first impression just yeah. you know even before uh, looking into something and so yeah i i see uh, michael asking if if i can show uh, if i can show a bad example of taste i i don't think it, it would be in good taste to to <laughs> show bad taste in a, in a setting like this i'm afraid um but i mean it's like if, if you look at it like on a high level like bad taste would be you know poor choices of colors and things that it, it is it's like i said it's, it's kind of ab abstract it's just it's more of a feeling in my opinion mm -hmm. and more than it is you know technical like uh, you know you know, this is too much of this and this is too little of that. Like that is, um, it's, it, it's, it's just the sum of all the parts. Like that is, that is the taste I would say. And it's like, it, it's a small thing. It's like, uh, you know, no, it, it's really hard to, to give a, 
like a go to and like a, a good answer to that um i'm afraid um, okay so yeah. if um if you're looking at this work what's your advice for her to do then mm -hmm. uh, what was that uh, some advice for her for the scene yeah what does she have to fix right so focal point so looking at this there are a lot of beautiful assets uh some some gory nasty assets but overall beautiful uh, like the cart like the uh, carpet here on the floor looks awesome you got this really nice furniture and these um what was it called like the uh, not balustrades um yeah like these woodwork like on the top part here like there, there are a lot of things that look gorgeous and I mean, it makes sense to have to sort of have everything in focus, but it, like having everything in focus makes it hard to focus. I am like, I don't know where to look in this picture. Like looking at this table here on the left side with the candles. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it's, it, it draws my eye. Like it, it's one of the most, one of the, one of the brightest points in the picture. Um, but nothing really happens here. But then I'm, I'm drawn to the center part here. And I guess the reason why I'm drawn to the center part is because that, like the light temperature is colder here and like colder, you know, like I'm, I guess it's, I'm not a psychologist, but in my, in my experience, like you're always drawn to bright and warm colors before colder colors. Um, this is colder and there's a lot of stuff happening here. But then I'm drawn to this flag back here. You know, like my, my eye is just going all over this scene. And not necessarily bad. Like it, it's, as I said, like there are a lot of good looking things, but I would like a focal point. Um, and yeah, so there are a couple of ways you can do that. One being obviously using, you know, vignetting. Like vignetting is a really, you know, really like oh, simple way of, you know, focusing the eye because vignetting, you know, it, it darkens very subtly, uh, preferably the, the outer parts, you know, it's, it's like a, a camera, uh, a camera. Uh, um, it, 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 like when, when doing photography, it's not something that you want, but it can be re really useful in some cases when you really want to sort of draw like cause a little bit of tunnel vision, like focusing the eye. But that is not the way I would, I would go about this. What I would do is I would, um, you know, use light. I would, I would make this part here, like the center part, uh, the desk with the skulls. I would make that a bit brighter. I would, um, I would add a highlight, like an actual light, visible light source in this desk lamp here. Because right now we're just getting some volumetric fog coming out of here. But if you would make, if you would actually turn a cam, uh, a, a light on, angle it towards the camera, and like especially a camera that is in a dark environment like this, you know, with a shutter, uh, shutter speed really high and or low and everything, like that would be bright and that would draw your like the eye right up to this part where I'm guessing you you want the focus to be, um, like maybe. Maybe not having these candles on the right side, but putting them on the desk here. Um, you know, a lot of small things like just, just like trying to use warm and cold colors to guide the eye, like warm in the center, cold in the back, uh, or in the sides and using bright colors in the center and, you know, less bright color, uh, less bright values on the, on the sides. 
Um, obviously, you should not make everything pitch black except for the center. But as I said, like use use the color temperature. You could make the entire environment like the, the the overall colors, like the blues and the greens. Like it really makes it, it. Those are good colors for for these kinds of settings. And they're, um, I mean, I think you could use the lighting as it is pretty much for the backdrop. But I would just you know rework the lighting for the focal point, brighter and uh, warmer, because it will make a nice contrast with the uh, warms against the uh, colds. Got it. So definitely the lighting is the big, yep, big thing to focus on. That is a big thing to focus on, yeah. Uh, like at first glance. Um, then I noticed something that that always bugs me, like things in the foreground that are way too low poly. Like this is a bit nitpicky, but like mm -hmm. please add some more polygons to this desk lamp here. That's awesome. That's a great point because artists are always trying to keep things so low res. Yeah. You know, they never know where to draw that line, but. Yeah. I mean, if, if you look at like this candle looks like it's, you know, like four or 500 tri triangles and this one looks mm -hmm. like it's, you know, half of that. So it's, it, it just makes more sense to do it uh, on, on this lamp because it's a, it's a big shape and it's, you know, really visible. So, um, you know, it's, yeah, optimize things, of course, but optimize in a way like remove triangles that are not visible but like don't don't save triangles where they're really visible because it's, it's just um just you know pulls you out like you, you just see um just see the, the topology or triangles you know awesome mm. all right guys thank you so much um i think there were a couple more questions about taste but uh i don't want to that's uh, an open-ended thing so we can we say that for another podcast. Yeah, and here, by the way, sorry, if, if, if just go back here. Here is a good example. Like my eye is instantly drawn to this uh, this furniture here with the you know the warm light from the candles, in contrast to the cold light coming out from you know the full moon lighting in the windows. Mm -hmm. so yeah, th this is a good example. Like here, the composition and the lighting works really well. The only thing I would, uh, I guess, do differently here is to add some cast shadows from the window. Yeah. Perfect. All right. That's great. Oh, Susan's here checking on me. <laughs> All right, Victor, man, thank you so much for um, for everything. It was really great uh, to get to meet you. Yeah, likewise. And th thank you so much for for having me. It was it was a ton of fun. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for joining live. If you're here, and uh, and I'll see you guys in the community. Victor, take care. Take care. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. So I want to thank you so much for being here and taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to ask a couple of things from you. Number one, make sure you leave a comment or you rate this on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever that you're listening to this. It really makes a big difference in helping us get the word out and to help people understand what we do. The other thing is I want to make sure that you know where to find us. Head over to www.vertexschool.com to learn about all the programs that we have for creatives. Our job at Vertex School is to teach you new skills in creative tech and help you get a job that matters to you. 
We lock in on the specific skills and triggers that people are looking for in the industry and what you need to do to prove that you can do this job. We're taking applications right now, so make sure that you head over to www.vertexschool.com and apply today. All right, again, thank you so much for being here. Have an amazing day.